0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 433. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Oh, hi. Staying warm? Staying warm up there? Oh, yeah. Nice.
1: Oh, yeah. I got... All bundled up? I got cardigans for every day of the week. Oh, yeah. Which, guess what? Not enough cardigans.
0: Is there ever? Is there ever enough cardigans? Mm -mm, There isn't. Uh, This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is out now in limited release and on Apple TV+. Plus. also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list. And this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. just one bit of housekeeping. New save by the 90s is going to be recorded later today. And then I hope to have it up sometime towards the end of the week this week. So stay tuned for that. We're doing Y2K. Oh, yeah. That's our theme is Y2K. Going to be discussing that. We watched some Y2K preparedness videos. It was a good time.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, so stay tuned for that. I know that I announced... A few weeks ago that I'd be moving that feed over and just doing everything on one feed uh, but I kind of decided to hold off on that for now just because it's a kind of a hassle and mm. it's yeah it, it's gonna be required too much I think <laughs> to move everything over so for now everything's gonna be separate let's go ahead and jump into the tragedy of Macbeth I have a synopsis here if you're not familiar with Macbeth a Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power uh Kevin we'll start with you what were your initial impressions of the tragedy of Macbeth Uh, overall I like this I enjoyed this
1: especially because of it being Macbeth um When it comes to film adaptations of Macbeth, for me personally, I've seen this story so many times that the story doesn't really concern me much at all at this point. Like it's always the same. Right. Honestly, you know. So really what it comes down to is what what is being done visually. And I gotta say, I like the visuals of this movie. Because I, my brain just kind of goes to autopilot when it comes to, you know, the dialogue and the story, the narrative and everything. Because, you know, I know what's coming. I know what's happening. You know, well-worn territory for me. So, it ultimately comes down to visuals. And, man, there's some really solid visuals in here.
0: Just I- the overall aesthetic of this movie. Just, it hooked me here's the thing. I I agree that the visuals are strong in this. The performances are strong, but I went into this movie, like kind of already knowing that that was going to be the case. So there weren't Mm -hmm. any surprises for me in this movie. Like everything was exactly how I expected it to be. I was like, okay, well I suspect that they're going to be, you know, doing the iambic pentameter, which I hate by the way. Like I just can't, I just can't deal with it. Um, I knew that that, that we were going to see some really incredible performances from Denzel Washington and and Francis McDormand, and we got that. And I knew that the black and white was going to be really nice. I knew that the cinematography was going to be like next, some next level stuff. Like at least I had a good feeling, and all of that, all of those expectations were met. My problem is that like I just didn't feel like there was anything for me to grab onto here like i i didn't think that there was anything different or new or anything that like yeah. really kind of perked me up that that was beyond my expectations or even just diverted them in any way good or bad it was just it was for me it was just so middle of the road like i feel like if if you're going through like an oscar bait checklist like this is probably like hits every single check mark almost just because it's just so, I don't know. I feel like maybe, maybe in a lot of ways this movie plays it too safe or something. Um, I I agree with you. I do agree with you that like the visuals are great and everything. I actually thought that some of the visuals were pretty bland. Um, not necessarily the cinematography itself. I mean, I particularly liked the black and white and I liked a lot of the lighting I thought was just incredible. But, like the the sets themselves um, a lot of times very, felt very stagey to me, like yes and, and very stagy and, and very spartan, yeah, and, and like very minimal, like there's a lot of like, just everything in this movie is like very minimal, um, which you know is is fine if you're into that kind of thing for me, I felt like the the minimal set dressing and the the minimal set dressing mixed with the dialogue, mixed with the, the story that I've encountered a million times over, made for a, a somewhat kind of banal experience, viewing experience for me. So, yeah, just- I, And I can definitely see that.
1: If pe- you know, If people have that criticism, I can definitely see where they're coming from and agree with them for the most part. Because I do kind of feel that way in the same way. Uh, I think the visuals for me did enough to keep me hooked throughout, and the fact that this movie is doesn't really it, it's not uh, it's not drawn out, which no. is nice. I was it's just it, you know it's just it's brisk.
0: Yeah, I was concerned about that. I was like, oh god, if this is like two and a half hours long, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose my shit yeah. if this is like two and a half hours long. But it's like it's less than two hours and. Yeah. It doesn't, I feel like it doesn't overstay its it's welcome. It does a good job of adapting the story. Um, there are certain aspects of it that I liked. I, I noticed that on Letterboxd, the, the, one of the main things that people seem to be highlighting is uh, are, are the witches. And I did like what they did there. However just in like briefly skimming over what people were saying on letterboxd as I was watching this, I was kind of amped up for the witches because it seemed like everybody was kind of really, really bumping them. And so I was expecting something crazy. And so I was a little bit let down with how like kind of normal they (laughs) were, they were, but I did like that whole, the beginning part where she's like contorting, on the, on oh, yeah. the battlefield and, and all of that stuff. Like, that was awesome.
1: I think that's where this movie really excels in terms of visuals. The two instances of the, the weird sisters uh, appearing, the visuals are just incredible. Yeah, yeah. What they do. There's a, a lot of creativity. And I think that's really the, the, the moments in this movie where Cohen kind of takes this approach of, like, Showing some creativity where everything else, like you said, some of this is bland. I mean, yes, the black and white is phenomenal, especially if you're doing black and white and you're playing with the lighting and the shadows and kind of going with that like German expressionism approach and using kind of other elements of um, like silent movie era, like with deep angles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But some of it does feel kind of bland and just, you know because the, the some of these sets are just so sparse. Yeah, I mean you like know, I don't know how this. many
0: how many scenes take place in that one hallway that's like yeah. <laughs> like they're just, they're just it's like a but but also I was thinking about this, you know, in most of these movies, every time you see a movie that takes place in like a castle or a kingdom, everything is so like dirty and like falling apart and just like worn. And it got me thinking as I was watching this, like, at one point that stuff was new, right? So so maybe some of these, like, castles and kingdoms and stuff did look like this at one point where it was, like, it was fresh and clean and, and, like, pristine, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just interesting that they didn't decorate at all. No, yeah, that, that <laughs> I
1: kind of have a hard time believing, but... but <clears throat> I guess that was probably nice for the, the set decorators.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, Not having a whole lot to do. Very minimal, yeah. It, it definitely has a has a, a theater vibe to it. It feels feels very much like a, a set, a stage set. The only other thing I would say that I was slightly disappointed
1: in is, is it, this movie, uh, in terms of the narrative, and especially what happens to Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, it it seems like he held back a little bit like it didn't i didn't see or it didn't feel like a complete descent into madness no that i usually see like i'm thinking like uh Macbeth Macbeth from 2015 with fassbender which i i think is better than this movie not to compare the two but if i had to i like that one more than this but and I think that's the thing, is that it comes down to visuals again for me, that that's what stuck with me enough to, to see it through. You know, it held my interest the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was, I was kind of expecting to be completely wowed and bowled over, and I, I don't think I was. There was moments where I was like, oh, okay. You know, there's flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. But there was also uh, some lulls in there.
0: yeah for 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 me it's just un really i'm just not a shakespeare kind of kind of guy like i just don't i, I like i just feel like i'm done i think i think sc- like high school or maybe even middle school whenever we dove into shakespeare i feel like that just kind of ruined me on it when we would like do these deep dives into macbeth or any any of the other plays and like analyze every line and like learn all about each one like that just i don't know i think i feel like that just kind of ruined me on shakespeare oh, yeah.
1: and i think that's a that's a big thing for me too which i've talked about before but when they do like you know straight lifting mm-hmm. of the shakespearean text none of those words sound like words to me <laughs> And just, even them to get like it's just it's just ambient it's gobbled noise. gobbledygook I, yeah i like it, it sound to me when even what like Denzel Washington is reciting his lines, you know, Brennan Cleese, whoever it is, Francis McDormand, like,
0: honestly, I just hear a box fan. It's, it is. That's kind of what it is to me. It, it, yeah. It's interesting because like, you know what they're saying, but at the same time, it's like the way that, the, the dialogue is presented. It, it really does just go in one ear and out the other. It's, it's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, which that is just a complete personal thing. But it is very bizarre to me that it's just I I just hear like a low, steady hum.
0: (laughs) It's just white noise to me. I think that I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I I certainly do as well. This movie also made me come to the realization that I'll be dealing with Shakespeare for the rest of my life. Like I will never I will never be able to avoid Shakespeare. Like this is not the last time I've seen Macbeth. And it's like, it's kind of depressing for me to think that, like, I'm probably going to have to deal with Shakespeare again in the near future. Like, I will just always have to deal with this fucking guy. Which I don't think would be bad if,
1: you know, we got some, you know, some variety, some other plays. But yeah, it I mean, always seems like people want to do Macbeth. And it's like, all right, man, we, this is how many times now?
0: yeah I mean his I mean all of his stuff has really just been done so much but and and look I understand like the his influence Shakespeare's influence goes far and wide like I don't even think it's like we can't even perceive how much influence he had on all all of art like the dude is prolific I mean maybe the most prolific and I completely recognize that but at the same time, I'm just sick and tired of Macbeth, Hamlet, fucking Romeo and Juliet. Like, I'm just done with those those stories. Yeah, I hear you. Now, but, but of course, like, I understand that there's going to be a lot of... I mean, there's, there's still, like, a lot of movies that come out that, like, they're, they're Macbeth, but they're not Macbeth, you know? Like, they're taking the story of Macbeth and twisting it and making it something yeah. new. Which- and.
1: Those those to me are interesting when you, and that's the thing when it comes down for me, if you're doing Macbeth, there's got to be some creativity. Either you're going to play around with the setting, the characters themselves, you know, something where you're going to change it, but still essentially keep the core there. Going into this, I knew that they're not doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, based off of the trailer. They're doing a straight adaptation of it. So for me, it's like, okay, if you're not doing anything in terms of the narrative or the dialogue, characters setting, on any of that stuff, you're keeping that all basic and it's, and true to the original, you gotta do something visually. And thank God that he at least did that. Because if you don't do that, it's just like, what the hell's the point? Why, right. why yeah. make, you know?
0: I mean, movies like this are, they completely are dependent on the visuals and the performances. And yeah, both of those are very good in in this, and I think like you, I think that that is enough for a lot of people to give this a recommendation. But just for me, it just wasn't quite enough. Um, so unfortunately, I just was not just not too into Macbeth. It was just too. It was exactly what I thought it would be. And I just, I don't know, I guess I found that to be disappointing. To be clear, though, there were a number of sequences that did perk me up. And I was like, oh, wow, like that looks phenomenal. So it's not like it's a, a bad movie or anything like that. It's not a bad ad- adaptation. I think that now it's been many years since I actually read Macbeth. Uh, but it seems like Joel Cohen did a really good job of adapting the the story into into this. It's not a a straight adapt. It's not a hundred percent. But yeah. um which I think is is good. But uh yeah he's so I mean I think he did a good job adapting it and it's I think it's interesting that this is a the first Joel Cohen you know single. No Ethan. Yeah. So that's kinda interesting. Ethan was
1: just like why? <laughs> There's already there's already like 89 Macbeths. Why?
0: I did see a headline like, that I'll said like my it, it said something about like why Joel Co- Cohen couldn't direct Macbeth with his brother or something like that. Or he said like he couldn't do it with his, I don't know what. I didn't read it cuz I don't really care too much, but that would be kind of interesting if Ethan Cohen went off and did his own Shakespeare adaptation. Like it would be fine he if they he both did or own. something. It'd be even better if they both did their own
1: Macbeth. <laughs> they they both Macbeth did. to see who did, who that, came out. That would be banquet. kind of
0: funny if they each did Macbeth, and it was like a contest between the two of them. Yes, and they,
1: they that would be I would that would be interesting to see. And open on the same weekend, see what happens. <laughs> just, just see, yeah, that would that would have been.
0: I, I think the, I would the winner gets
1: that. the gets the continue in Hollywood. The other one has, <laughs> the other to, one has to retire, leave,
0: leave the industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, those are some heavy stakes. All right, yeah, let's let's, put, let's start
1: putting some stakes to the, the Shakespeare adaptations. You know, yeah. If if they if they turn out poor, you don't get to work ever again. Yep. Maybe uh, that'll stop.
0: One other thing before we give this a score, um, I'll say that the I like the poster a lot. It's a great poster, and the title cards are great too. Oh yeah. Yeah. The title treatment. And it's just to
1: awesome. just to hop on what every single person has ever said on Letterboxd and Twitter, Catherine Hunter as the Weird Sisters are definitely the the highlight of oh, this movie. Oh yeah. Oh, just yeah. everything with the Weird Sisters is great. Yep.
0: Yep. Alright, let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, I'm at this is really hard for me because on one hand you do have those amazing black and white visuals and really incredible performances but at the same time I just I gotta go with my my gut and my gut says that this is one that I will quickly forget and never revisit so I I think I'm gonna have to give it a five
1: wow wowzers
0: I give it a seven and a half there you go Tragedy of Macbeth is available on Apple TV Plus right now so you can Check it out on there. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, why don't you start us off? Because I don't have my list pulled up. Okay. Well, I'll start us off with... Uh, I
1: watched another Samuel Fuller movie. Perhaps one of his most well-known films. That's Pick Up on South Street from 1953. This is available on the Criterion channel. Uh, so this is Skip McCoy, played by Richard Widmark. He's a pit pocket, and he inadvertently steals some government secrets from a woman's purse on the train. The woman's played by Gene Peters. And it was stolen by the commies, and it's government secrets. So the government is now after him, but he doesn't know what the hell he has. He's, he, that's his job. He, he's a pickpocket. That's what he does. So now... Everyone's using their resources: police department, the government, trying to catch this low-level pickpocket guy. Uh, and in order to to find find him, sniff him out, because uh, time is of the essence, they bring in Thelma Ritter as a character named Mo. She's an older lady. She's an entrepreneur. She sells ties. She's a hustler, and she knows like the modus operandi of every single pickpocket in the city. So, you know, she makes some money. They have to tell her like, what the guy did, they, what, did he use a newspaper, what hand did he hold it in, what did he do, this and that, and she's able to tell them who the, who the pickpocket is, because she just knows all this stuff. She gives a phenomenal performance, pretty much everyone does, but her, her performance in particular, her character, and the character arc is just, it's really incredibly tragic in this movie. But, I mean, everything about this is just, this movie's firing on all cylinders. It just like it looks phenomenal. The pace is fantastic. All performances are great. Just oh man, this this sucker. Ooh, this is a good one. So damn good. The slapper, the slaps. Oh man, if I was one to use that as a descriptor, but I can't because I'm almost forty. <laughs> I would say I would say that.
0: I don't think I've ever used that as a descriptor, actually.
1: No, you'll never hear me use that or say something's lit. I
0: think at a certain point,
1: you're just like when new words come out. Yeah, you're just just, just exempt. I'm not. Like you just, you don't. (laughs) You can't. It sounds
0: so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. I saw Cliff Walkers. This came out uh, this past year, and it is directed by uh, Zhang. Yamao, this is the guy who did Hero and House of Flying Daggers, Shadow, and The Great Wall. So, pretty pretty prolific Chinese director. And this is a a, kind of a espionage thriller where you have this... um, It takes place in the 1930s, and it's about a... Team of secret agents, basically, that uh, are trying to t- it carry out this this mission. They, so they go to they go to Russia. They get trained as like these special forces agents, and then they have to infiltrate this uh, Japanese prison, basically. And the whole movie is just them trying to carry out this mission. And it turns out that there was uh, an imposter among them. And you have double agents, triple agents in this. Mm -hmm. There's a triple agent. And it's just full of twists and turns. Nobody can trust anybody. People are getting killed. People are getting ratted out. Uh, Not a lot of action in this, but when it does hit it's it's pretty pretty fun it's it's way more subdued than something like hero or house of flying daggers there's no like crazy outlandish you know wire work or anything like that it's it's very grounded uh but i had a really good time with this i like movies i like espionage movies that have lots of twists and turns and double agents and stuff like that and there's Plenty of that in this like it's almost hard like at the beginning it's hard to tell what what is even going on because everybody dresses the same. So all of the agents like men women everybody on every side they all dress in like the 30s attire. So they all have black trench coats and fedoras and you just you have no idea like who's working with who and what teams there are because there's like multiple teams and there's this really great scene that takes place on a train and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like who, wait, wait, are this, they're writing like secret messages and like those messages are getting erased and replaced with false messages. And it's just, uh, it's really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Cliff walkers is the name.
1: Looking forward to that
0: one. Yeah. This was on uh Raul's list. Yes,
1: that's right. I, I knew it was
0: on someone's list. Yeah, this was on his list, and I think it was like very high up. Was it number one? It might have been number one on his list. Might have been. It was. It was number one. Yeah.
1: There you go. Well, I watched a. I finally got around to watching a classic. And that's Planet of the Apes, the original, nineteen sixty-eight. All the apparently all the Planet of the Apes movies are on HBO Max. So finally got around. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this series. Oh wow, the films. So I started with the first one, you know, which is it's kind of tough because even though I haven't seen it, I know it, right? Yeah, you know it's what one I mean. Of those. Like it's it's yeah, I you know, know the, the twist, twist and all that. Yeah, I know most of the dialogue. M- much of it has been sampled in hip hop, and so you know, I pretty much know all of this. But some things that I didn't realize, uh, one is their their crash landing sequence of them coming, you know, crash landing on this planet, and they don't know what planet it is. But just the sequence of that is really phenomenal, the way that it's shot, and it's really kind of trippy and really impressive, kind of experimental in a way, you know, this crash landing and everything. And then them escaping from their ship on this new planet all of the, the terrain, like the landscape shots and everything, are just, they're incredible. Like the scope of it is just, it's massive. So a lot of that it was kind of surprising. I was pretty well surprised too, just by like the world building and the environment itself. Of like when they finally get to the apes and like their, their settlement, you know, their community and, you know, the buildings and everything. And it's just really, I think, top-notch world building going on the one of the other things that i didn't quite know is that uh and i kind of get it i realize what they're going for here but the astronauts that are on this mission are like they did not send their best and their brightest (laughs) especially charlton heston who makes no sense whatsoever as like the lead Like, he has no curiosity whatsoever. Like, he's not a man of science. Like, (laughs) he's just a dude that smokes cigars. Like, they let him take cigars. He's just smoking them inside the spaceship, which seems like you wouldn't do that. But whatever, it's the 60s. And it's just, it's kind of funny. But, you know, you, you, you get what they're going for because, you know, man is supposed to be. It's kind of the, you know, he's kind of the stand-in for the, the entire human race and how bland they are. It's just kind of funny to me. Because they land in water, this huge wasteland, desert. And these three guys, just fucking dumb as rocks, are like, <laughs> let's not follow the water. Any explorer will tell you, follow the water. That's where you're going to find life. Of course. Let's follow the river out. Plus, you're by water. Good, right? no. They immediately trek into the barren wasteland desert where nothing exists whatsoever. <laughs> and they, of course, they're like, oh, we only have this eight ounce thing of
0: water. Oh, man, what are we going to do? And it's like, you fucking idiots. Fucking morons. Give with the program. Well, I'll be interested to see. I've never seen any of the sequels. I only saw the first, just the, the original. So I'll be interested to see like, where this journey takes you. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Because I was kind of surprised
1: at like, how much I enjoyed this movie, especially like the, the craft of it. I was kind of taken surprised by that.
0: I mean, a lot of people like the sequels and stuff too, but I mean, I, I don't know. How many, there, how many of them are there? There's It's too one, many. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, man. Looks like there's five, maybe five.
1: And then yeah. there's the
0: 2001 one with Mark Wahlberg and then three of the newer one. ones. I'm not doing the Wahlberg one. No, that's garbage. I'll
1: skip to the other one.
0: The new ones are good. Isn't, yeah, that's what I thought. I'll do those. Yeah, the new ones are actually quite good. I really like those. I think you'll like those. All right, uh, let's see. I saw a movie called Meander. This is a, it's a French film. It's directed by uh, Matthew Turi. premise of this one is a, a woman is... It, she she wakes up in what is essentially like a ventilation shaft, and she doesn't know. She's not exactly sure how she she got there. Uh, she was she ended up getting a a lift from a guy against her better judgment, and the guy attacked her. And she wakes up, and she's in this in this tube, and. She starts crawling around, trying to figure out what's going on. And guess what? Oh, there's traps in the tube. So what you have here is sort of like a cube. It's, it's similar to cube.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And but it's also similar to like other kind of containment thrillers where she needs to like decipher clues and figure out like and she has to survive the traps. But then guess what? She finds that there's like other people in the tube and like some of them are they're not like like they're kind of human but they're almost like zombies they're they're like really messed up and then there's like some really crazy shit that happens later on that i won't spoil but it doesn't really lean into the craziness enough like it gets weird but i feel like it's not weird enough to like justify the the where it goes Some of the traps are, I mean, the the traps are cool. There's a lot of, not a lot of gore, but there's some gore in it that's pretty well uh, crafted. It's okay. Uh, I didn't think it was horrible or anything like that. It does have a very distinct sense of, like, claustrophobia, though. Like, I don't, I'm not a claustrophobic person. Like, I don't get claustrophobia. However, if... I I could imagine if you're someone who is claustrophobic that this movie would be triggering in that regard because every scene is like just so tight and like some of the scene some like some of the parts of the tube she has to go underwater so like mm-hmm. not only is she cramped into this tiny little tube but in certain parts of it she has to go underwater in the tube
1: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah for anybody who does not like tight spaces i think that this one is going to be a pretty rough watch which is which is crazy because like i've seen movies that you know what was the one with um ryan reynolds where he's oh, yeah, bur- buried buried yeah like yeah. this this is more claustrophobic than buried in my opinion wow. like it's just uh, everything in this is like just so tight um but yeah it's, it's uh interesting like where it goes i'm not sure I, i'm completely on board but let's just say it takes a bit of a supernatural type of twist so oh. yeah very strange anyway that's that's meander that is on Amazon Prime so you can check it out on there
1: oh I have one that I saw on Amazon Prime too and I know you saw it and that's watch out we're mad watch out we're mad But Spencer and L, which I have a sneaking suspicion I'm gonna be watching a lot more Bud Spencer's and Terrence Hill movies can this I just, year
0: yeah can I just quickly before you get into this just sure. tell you about like or tell the audience about how I happened upon sure. these so I was just perusing uh I guess it was I can't remember if it was Steam or the Epic Game Store one of those you know game marketplaces and I was just perusing you know I was just seeing what was out there and I happened upon this game called uh I already forgot the name of it. It's called Slaps and Beans, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I watched like the trailer, and I was like, "Oh man, this looks, this looks really fun." It's like a classic kind of sixteen-bit beat 'em up, and it was like, oh, starring Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. And I just thought that the, I didn't really realize that they were actually real people. And I, so I got the game, and I was playing it, and. I was like, man, this game feels so like it feels like this is referencing something. So I looked it looked it up, and sure enough, like Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer are these two like uber famous Italian actors in the seventies and eighties, and they had like a, they have a huge, huge filmography. Like they made so many movies together. I mean, yeah. this is like the Italian Laurel and Hardy or something, and. I, for some reason like I just never heard of these guys. I mean clearly they never were huge in the in the US, but they were like really popular in Italy at least. And uh, and I'm- I think they were super huge in Budapest, I think,
1: cuz there's like a Bud Spencer. I think it's Budapest. They have a Bud Spencer uh like statue. Like a statue. Yeah. <laughs> cuz like that's
0: how beloved he is so I was like oh man like the game was so much fun and it was like just so goofy uh, that, that and it had this like really great like 70's vibe to it that I just found to be so refreshing in a video game like I, it was it had the kind of vibe that I just hadn't really encountered before so I I loved the game and I so I looked into Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer and sure enough they're their movie Watch Out, We're Mad from 1974 was on Amazon Prime. So I gave it a watch and like immediately just loved every second of it. And I contacted you right away and I was like, you got to check these guys' movies out because it's right up our alley.
1: Oh, and you are 100% correct. Because this is something that you just don't get anymore. No, you don't. and. The thing is, what I love about this is that it's a super simple film. It's just based around these two guys who kind of don't get along, but they kind of reluctantly get along. Uh, they're two like rally car racers. They win a dune buggy because they tie in this race. <laughs> they win a dune buggy, so they're trying to figure out, you know, who gets the dune buggy. Got to come up with something else. Maybe eat hot dogs and drink beer. First one to stop loses the dune buggy. But, you know, they're doing this at an amusement park. The gangsters come and just want to splat cars. And I love their justification for it because they just got to. They got to splat the car. They got to
0: splat the car. (laughs) I love that that one scene where he's like, I got to splat your car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: He's like, I got to, you know, I'm a gangster. This is what I do. I was asked to splat cars. I'm going to splat your car. So they get their buggies splatted and they decide to go to the head gangster and say, hey, you know, you got until Saturday. To give us a new doom buggy, it's got to be red with the yellow tarp. You know, we need a doom buggy, and of course the gangster's like, "No, I'm not giving you that." So the rest of this movie essentially is just them being like, "Okay, we got to prove to them that like we mean business." So it's just them slapping and punching the shit (laughs) out of people to be like, "We're serious. Give us a doom buggy," and of course, you know, the gangster that is like a huge baby. Like he's a man, baby. He wears pajamas and everything, and his sidekick is Doctor Loomis, Mm -hmm. and they end up spending like it's probably twenty times the amount that they would spend on a Doom buggy in order to try and not give these guys a Doom buggy. (laughs) And it's just it like the choreography is incredible. Like I was really surprised by that, especially the set pieces. Like it's. There's the deadpan humor. There's the physical comedy. There's actually good choreography in the fight sequences. They do a lot of different stuff. Bud Spencer is hilarious because he's
0: just this like mountain of a man. He's just bonking, that... head bonking. I love, <laughs> I love the sound effects, man. Like the, the sound effects when he, he does the, the move where he just rams the top of their head. So he's just punching mm-hmm. the top of people's heads. And I love every slap that he does, he does this open palm slap and it just sends people flying every time Yeah, and I just love the set
1: pieces of this too especially that the end now I think the gym fight is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen yeah I love the gym fight it's a great mix of choreography and comedy Mm -hmm. and just like using the surroundings and everything but the end set piece is just phenomenal, like just a room full of balloons oh my
0: god Yeah, why not I, I loved all the set pieces in this the the um, the chorus <laughs> the chorus scene. Yes <laughs> like I, I feel like, you know, this movie came out in 1974, and I just feel like the 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 comedy was I don't know if maybe this was like really influential for other filmmakers or if this was just way ahead of its time, but I just feel like it's rare that you can watch a comedy. Especially a foreign language comedy. Now, the version that's on Prime is dubbed. I don't know if there's actually... I don't know if you can find these, like, in the original language or not. But um, anyway, my my point was, like, it's hard to find comedies that are old and foreign to be funny in a contemporary time. Like, there's just there's there's things that like you know different different countries have different styles of comedy different tastes of comedy and you know it doesn't always translate well and like older movies not all i'm not like trying to generalize or anything but a, a lot of older comedies just don't have the same you know punch that that comedies now have and and it's like a you know, it's, it's an evolving thing. Comedy is an evolving thing. And this movie is genuinely funny. And I just, I don't know, I, I just had a blast with it. I, um, I also saw Double Trouble, but I'm not going to talk about it uh, this, this week. I think maybe, because I know that you're, you're probably going to catch up with that one. So we'll, we'll talk about it together. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I am, I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, I mean this year. Watch as many of these
1: as I can. Yeah,
0: this year I think is going to be the year that like my year-end letterbox list for 2022 is going to be like most watched actors going to be Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. I think. Oh,
1: without a doubt.
0: Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go in hard on these guys because. Their stuff is just so good. It's just so good. And I can't believe that I'm just now discovering them. I know. Because like, they seem like they're huge. Like, they seem like they're really famous. And I'm just now finding out about it. Thanks to yeah, thanks to that video game, which I highly recommend uh, everybody picking up. Because it's, it's pretty cheap. And if you're looking for a great 2D up that has really great animation and lots of fun mini-games and stuff... Check it okay. out. And apparently, they're making a sequel. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. Um, I don't, there's nothing else that I really wanted to go over. Okay.
1: I only have one more. And that's uh, Bill Duke's Deep Cover from 1992, which is on HBO Max, but only until the end of the month. So that's why I had to prioritize this one. I learned that it leaves at the end of January. So uh, I've been wanting to see this one for a while. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, he' an incredible performance in this. He plays an undercover cop named John Hall, who's working his way to the top of a drug ring. but he can't go to the very top, because at the very top is a Latin American politician. So he's got to keep his eye just, just under the top, you know? So he ends up getting involved with Jeff Goldblum, who's one of the, the lower rungs, and they kind of go into business together. And Goldblum also gives great performance. He's doing his kind of like goofy, goofy self type thing that he does. And uh, it's just really great in the way that uh, Bill Duke kind of like blurs the line between, you know, cop and criminal. Because Fishburne's backstory is like he never wanted to be, you know, his dad was a drug addict and everything, and he never wanted to touch drugs or, or drink and. You know, he got into being a cop to, you know, do good and all this. But here in the this undercover assignment, he's having to do all the things that he swore that he wouldn't do in his life and essentially took the job in order, you know, to help solve these problems. So it's one of those things that uh really highlights, like, the naivete of everyone involved in the war on drugs that... Uh, exists below that power line where essentially they're just expendable pieces in this kind of like funny game for those in power and it's just it's phenomenal. This is such a great movie. Uh it's got an incredible early uh, 90s soundtrack where you got that kind of like hip hop using kind of like pre-industrial music sounds. Oh yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. exactly oh, what got, you're talking about. It's got that throughout and some of the dialogue is kind of it comes across as like rap lyrics too at times not always just occasionally in certain aspects and it's just like the everything that's going on in this is just it's great stuff and i can't believe i haven't seen it until now
0: well i've never seen it either so i'm definitely gonna have to watch it before it leaves hbo max it's so good. It is so good. Yeah. Um, I'll make a point to check that out this week. All right. Let's see what we have in theaters. There's only one. Redeeming Love.
1: What?
0: Yeah. Redeeming Love. It's the highly anticipated film based on the best-selling novel. So, Really? Yeah. You weren't anticipating? That wasn't on your list? Redeeming Love wasn't on your 2022 list?
1: A retelling of the biblical book of... Say a setting the backdrop of the California Gold Rush of 1850.
0: <laughs> Sounds mm. like a, a classic in the making there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see if uh, VOD is, is going to be better for us this week. On the 18th, we have Jack in the Box Awakening. This is the highly anticipated sequel to Jack in the Box. Mm-hmm. So... A Lawrence Fowler returns with his second installment of the heart-stopping horror.
1: Man, so much anticipation. Yeah, that's Coming on that Richard was on my list.
0: Yeah. Uh we also have Ditched. This is a another horror movie from the looks of it. Desperate to escape an overturned ambulance, a group of paramedics are trapped with violent prisoners. Oh boy. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's a horror or a thriller or what what it is. Let's see, we have Nocturna sides A and B, so it's like a twofer. Okay. So Can Nocturna side A is the great old man's night, and then side B is where elephants go to die. Huh. So what this is is it's it's the same story, but like told in a different way. So it's the same director, and he it's like the same thing, but like one is kind of more conventional, one's like more surreal or something. Yeah. I was thinking, I don't know if this, this movie is, is what this is, but I was thinking about like that concept where you have two movies that are just the, it's the same movie, but it's just from a different perspective. And like, I was thinking like, that might be a, a cool, that might be a cool idea for a movie or, or two it movies.
1: They did that with, uh, what is that? Um, Oh God. Disappearance of was it Eleanor Rigby
0: yeah oh yeah him and her that's right yeah
1: yeah i mean it's a, it's it's an interesting idea if you can pull it off
0: yeah I was thinking in so this is like about a um follows a nearly one hundred year old man who on his final night on earth, fights for redemption from his life's misdeeds oh no so i was thinking like it might be a cool idea for like in the side a to have it just be like a conventional thing and then on b it's like it's from his point of view so like it's it's him suffering from like dementia or whatever so things are like more surreal and stuff yeah i don't know maybe that's what it is but uh, we also have Road to Perth on the 18th and then on the 21st we have Munich Edge of War that's going to be on Netflix we have a War Hunt we have The Laureate we have A Shot Through the Wall crime thriller about a cop who uh, kills an innocent person I believe mm. we got Stop Zem- Zemlia Stop Zemlia okay looks like maybe a coming of age story. We got a hero that's going to be on Amazon prime and it looks like that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. We got last night in Soho. That's going to be on regular and 4k. I was a little disappointed with that one. We have candy man three day of the dead coming out on the Vestron collectors series. I really like these Vestron Collectors series. Now candy man three day of the dead is not, not a good movie but who knows maybe there's like some really cool bonus features or something on there uh Titan is coming out highly recommend that that was on my top 10 for 2021 we got shock from 1977 and it looks like there it, this might be a double pack it looks like it yeah it includes wait Is this the same movie? I can't tell. Yeah, it looks like it's two movies. There's the... Wait, is it? Beyond the Door 2. Oh, so it looks like it contains Shock... It says Shock slash Beyond the Door 2. So I'm I'm trying to see if, like, it's the same title. Like, if it... Mm -hmm. It says Mario Bava and Lamberto Bava. Hmm. Um, Yeah, because it was...
1: No, it had two different names. I remember did when it? we
0: did this for... Because,
1: yeah, in the, in the United States, it was released under the title Beyond the Door 2.
0: Yeah, I couldn't remember if this was... Anyway. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is coming out in 4K. I was just thinking about Darren Aronofsky the other day. Like, what happened to him?
1: Well, he did... Uh, he's got a new movie coming out.
0: Does he? The
1: Whale. Right? And I think it has... What's his name? Brendan Fraser. Nice. Yep.
0: 2022 the year of Fraser coming back
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: we got Red Angel from 1966 this is going to be on Arrow also got the Addams Family 2 that's the, the animated one that came out last year let's see what is this the sexy box the sexy box oh this uh, is a yeah. trauma box set so there's three Trauma comedies here. Waitress stuck on you in the first turn on. I still stuck on you. That's a that's a pretty good uh, 80s cheesy sex comedy. We got the Blockhouse from 1973, the Brute from 1977. Let me see what series this is. This is uh, the Indicator series, limited edition.
1: Old oh, Indicator.
0: Yeah, I'm not really familiar with that. They're a uh, British distributor Indicator slash Powerhouse Films. Uh, let's see. We have Escape from Mogadishu, The Last Sun, The Game's Called Murder, uh, VHS Massacre 2. That's uh, also a Troma release. I feel like we haven't seen a lot from Troma recently, but all of a sudden, here we go. Trauma back at it. Um, another one of these Indicator releases Girl Stroke Boy from 1971. The Stendhal Syndrome is coming out. This is a Blue Underground limited edition. Uh, if you haven't seen that, highly recommend the Stendhal Syndrome. Uh, that's pretty much it. What about, uh, about Criterions this week?
1: Uh, we got two. <clears throat> we have Richard Lester's A Hard Day's Night. The Beatles, you know. I, your Beatles I, I'm familiar fits. with them. Yeah. Yep and uh garrett bradley's time from 2020 Hmm. which i highly recommend
0: well there you go oh there's one called tokyo decadence that's also coming out nc17 looks like an erotic thriller from 1992 nice all right i think that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rankstraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.